Outside the Box. Hello and welcome to April's Outside the Box. I'm Hannah Zonlevy and as ever I am joined by Mickey Noonan. Well, hello there. And Jen Offord. Hi. That all went terribly well. Now, <laughs> no time for fucking around because if anyone listened to last month's, they'll know that I said there was about to be the most enormous drop of new television. Normally, January and September are the big, hey, here's a load of stuff. But I've got a tiny bit of time for news, which I'm going to fly through. News number one, Ghosts is ending. Have you oh, seen this, Mick? I have. It's going to be the yeah. last season. I think it's a good choice to end while you're on a high. Absolutely. More shows should do it. Yeah. I shall miss it. Number two, The Windsors has a coronation special coming up on Channel 4. Won't be talking about that here, even though I've seen it. So I'm largely just saying this to plug that the glorious Vicky Pepperdine will be in next week's podcast. I'm talking to her about playing Princess Anne, among other things. So many other things. The Dry... Comedy drama series on ITVX, originally RTE, then on BritBox, now finally on ITVX. Again, I've watched it. I think it's amazing. You can learn more about that in this week's Chops, in which I talked to the writer Nancy Harris. Coming up, as in we should be talking about it soon. Some of it isn't out yet. Some of it we could talk about now, but I've chosen to push it to a later date for reasons. Number one, White House Plumbers, out in May. Five-part series on Sky starring, brace yourself, Mickey, Justin Theroux as Liddy and Woody Harrelson as Hunt. What? The two men who basically caused the collapse from the inside of the Nixon administration. How exciting. It's very exciting. That is very exciting. Isn't it just? Perry Mason starts on the 2nd of May. I've watched a couple of episodes in preview. And as I predicted, the second series is an absolute banger already. I am largely talking to myself about this because nobody in the world appears to watch (laughs) Perry Mason except me. But what I will say is I really look forward to in about five years time, people coming up to me and saying, you ever seen Perry Mason? It's really good, (laughs) which is the same thing that happened like pretty much with Succession, which we'll be getting on to later. Yellow Jackets. I have watched a couple of episodes, but we are choosing not to talk about it until Mickey is able to watch it in maybe next month. I think the month after for the full 10 weeks. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. Inside number nine starts next week again. The the final five parts of the series, because of course the Christmas episode was counted as one episode of the series. Yeah, all I know is that the... I don't even have a date, actually. All I know is that it's listed as week 17, which is next week, and that Anita Dobson and Phil Daniels are in it. Amazing. Should be interesting. life. Sorry. (laughs) Maternal. Jen did a really good interview with Jackie... What's her... Jackie Honus Martin. Indeed, who wrote it. That has been cancelled. Fuckers. I can't believe I heard exclusively good things about it. I, this is the worst decision ITV have ever made, and they've made some bad choices. <laughs> yeah. You've watched a lot of those bad I choices. I have watched a lot yeah. of those bad choices. <laughs> yeah. It's because it won't get as many advertisers as two I'm a Celebrities a year because it draws in the the big money and advertisers. Two Love Islands. And, yeah, I know. It's It's the way of the world, Jen. Depressing, though, that is. I shake my head. 
it's why it's a danger when things go to ITV because BBC don't cancel things just because they're not watched. It's why Brexit happens. Like the public can't be trusted. That's all. <laughs> this, like this we know escalated this. very quickly, Jen. <laughs> Big feelings, big feelings. And I've left the most exciting thing till last. I don't know if you recall when we did our review of the year, I said that my three favourite things, Julia, Winning Time and The Lazarus Project, you know, that they were all now getting a second series and I was very excited about the second series arriving. All three of them have now appeared on the Coming Soon sheet that goes out to journalists who want to get interview requests in So I'm guessing June for all of those, which is very exciting. Mm. Loved Julia, loved Winning Time, loved The Lazarus Project. Do you not think they'll be autumn? I think they'll be autumn. I think they'll be September-y. Coming soon. I mean, excited to have them sooner. They just feel like September releases to me. Like you said at the top, that kind of big, this is when stuff happens. Yeah. They're not so often tied to the idea that the summer is a bleak, empty spot as the BBC are. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so let's start with this absolute, like, just, I don't know, vomit isn't the right word, but it feels <laughs> like just just content has been sprayed. I don't know what you guys have watched, so I'm going to start, and then you're going to say stop when you've watched it. So obviously I'm going to start with Little Watched, Little Discussed TV series that is currently on Sky. I don't know if either <laughs> of you have watched it. It's about a really rich family. <laughs> And it's called Succession. Are we all up to date? Yes. Yep. Right. I mean, there's not a lot of point doing an explanation of what Succession is because you either watch it or you don't watch it. But just to say, if you think that you might ever watch it in the future, you probably shouldn't listen to this because this is the most spoilery of all of the spoilery things that has ever happened on Succession. Okay? Press forward quite a few times. It kind of is and kind of isn't, right? Mm. Logan's death, which very nearly happened in series one, episode one of Succession, has now happened. The downside of of everybody now watching it is it it was spoiled for me by Twitter, which I was absolutely furious about. Oh, I'm sorry, mate. For days, and I didn't get a spoiler. I couldn't get Jen on the Zoom in case my face gave it away you, because I knew she hadn't I seen it. I knew something bad had happened when you were like, <laughs> "Yeah, have you watched I mean, it? I was absolutely furious, but I did later. I was around my brother's house and I watched him watch it just so I could sort of vicariously see someone <laughs> being surprised by it happening. I think the decision to do it off screen was absolute genius. I yep. put a little thread about this on Twitter. I thought... You know, most of us in our lives, most people we know die off screen. Most of the time you find out that someone's died because somebody rings you and says, guess what, someone's died. I think they caught the confusion and disbelief and barrage of questions that comes with that sort of thing. I thought they did excellently well. Of course, this is a man who didn't deserve to die surrounded by people he loved. He did deserve to die alone on the floor of a executive jet with everybody around him plotting about their futures. And so he also got the, the death that he deserved. I think everybody's been totally brilliant in this series so far. It's not been as funny. They did manage to cram our joke into that episode three in which someone said, should we just say he's delayed? And Carl said, seriously fucking delayed. (laughs) Um, I think everyone's been brilliant. I still feel the most sympathy in the world for Roman. I still hate Shiv. I still squirm and feel pity every time Kendall opens his mouth. But I have to say, I think Alan Ruck has been amazing. I think Connor has been a real highlight. 
of this series, watching him get married in front of nobody regardless, I found strangely moving. Over to you, lads. Alan Rook is having an incredible season and he's great because he is always background and it was so sad on that episode where the siblings, the trio that, Mm. you know, Mm. we love to hate, hate to love, were having that discussion and he was such an afterthought and that came on the back of the episode before when he just was like, it's easy to know that you're not loved when you've been brought up in a family that clearly don't love you and then it was proven in the most brutal way. But at the same time, he's the only one having any kind of happiness, you know, and, and kind of an honest happiness. He had that conversation with Willa about whether she was marrying him for money. And she kind of went, yeah. <laughs> and he went, okay. And then they got that. And then the next week he's, you know, he's got the house of his dreams. But it is the day after his dad died um, from the return of Marcia. Wowzers. There's yeah. a lot to unpack, isn't there? There's a lot to unpack. It's excellent. Yeah, so good. I found Logan's death quite harrowing, <laughs> like, like surprisingly upsetting. I was like, I'm upset for you all and I don't know why because you're such terrible, terrible people. And the discussions you're having as, you know, in, in the wake of your father's death are like pretty fucking terrible as well. And yet... I feel sympathy for all of you and I don't understand these emotions. It, I think it's a credit to them, isn't it? That like, it's a massive credit to the writers that you can still feel sympathy for these terrible, terrible people. Another big spoiler. If you've not watched this week's episode, don't listen to this. Is obviously that Shiv is up the duff. I called that at the end of season three. And while I'm not sure of the time frame, it could still be possible. But when Tom betrays her, she puts her hand to her stomach. She can't she... possibly know she was pregnant at that point. That might be the writer's flag in something, but she'd only, like, tried for a baby with him the day before. I mean, it might be the writer's flag, though. And obviously it adds something into the mix. Mm. I think Matthew McFadden is incredible. I hate yeah, him that, more that, than oh. Shiv. Do you? Yeah, See, I now, do. Tom no. is really... A legionist, like he is, yeah, he's he's sticky and sleazy and everything, and he desperately wants to be Machiavellian. But whenever the chips fall in that way, he can't help but care. And I think there is as much as he is an utter bastard, he does genuinely care. He spent oh, so much so. time with Logan's body to make sure the kids got to speak to him, whether, you know, I don't know if he can hear you. If he can hear you, he'll hear you. And was yeah. so lovely and of course there are machinations in that and of course he's always thinking of tom but he still did it he's so brilliantly beautifully written i think and matthew just like the expressions that flit across his face he's just he's perfect in it in that role his new phrase i'm here to serve every time he said it what carl says to him is just beautifully brutal yeah yeah it was really good actually in episode four the the Keystone Fucks haven't had much to to do, and they do yeah. quite often bring a lot of the the comedy. I think they're really good bit players in this whole mm. family drama, and they had some glorious chats in episode four. <laughs> the whole thing about whether they were going to put the letter down the toilet. Oh, that is well, a that really is, very funny that joke. Is a very funny joke. Was <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. So on that note, I wondered. Right, obviously the big question that is on the internet is underlined or crossed out and whoever drew that line amazing amazing stuff but also the keystone fucks as i'm going to call jerry carl and frank in roman's words we're talking 
about not even showing the kid. Carl has it and then he shows Frank and they're kind of like, oh, maybe maybe it could fall in the toilet. Which obviously, given that Logan just died in the toilet, lols. But then Jerry Jebear comes in and they share it with her. And I'm like, have they doctored it? Do you think they've doctored it before? Because then suddenly they're sharing it with the kids. And there's a moment where he goes, we're not having that princess takeover. And then obviously Kendall could totally be a princess in lots of yeah. ways. But I wonder if they've doctored it. No. Yeah, that's interesting. I will say I it's agree tight. heavily with what Kendall said was, which is, it sure as fuck doesn't say shiv. Sure as shit doesn't um, say shiv, yeah. Yeah. Greg got a little bit to do there as well, didn't he? I hate Greg the most. Greg's obsession about the piece of paper was just... Why he does Greg get most of the it? funny lines now, though, I have to say. Mm. This series, he has had most of the funny lines. Those, it's like Jaws, if everybody in Jaws worked for Jaws. <laughs> that was brilliant. He's like Sansa, if Sansa was a hitman. We're both just absolutely <laughs> priceless lines. I'm guessing you might have already seen this. You both probably have already seen this, but it filled me with intense joy that the surfaced footage of Rupert Murdoch giving a speech to his troops stood on a mm. load of pe- stacks of paper, just like yeah. they did with Logan at the ATN meeting. And also the news that Rupert Murdoch and his divorce from Jerry Hall specified that she could not feed plot yeah. lines to succession. Yeah. yeah incredible. incredible. Also worth saying, just one last thing from me, I mean, obviously we can carry on talking, but both of the women that have power in this actually the death of Logan was a boon to them because both of them were on the way out. They both managed to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Sid was about to be sacked and Jerry had actually been sacked, but they just carried on like it hadn't happened. So I have to say, uh, I was glad to see that because the loss of, uh, of, of Jerry and Sid would not look good in terms of women in powerful positions in succession, to be honest. I think Marcia's also got a new lease of life. And that's it with the time frame that I thought was quite interesting because they say she hasn't seen him for seven weeks. So it's only seven weeks mm. since it all kicked off. It is, it is quite fast, but I don't feel like there have been reminders. But then obviously the Gojo deal and all of that. And I just think it was a beautifully audacious, brilliant move to kill him off in episode three, off screen, like you said, Hannah, that was excellent. And then, yeah, we've still got these seven episodes of what looks like it's going to be a really big fight amongst not serious people. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love you, but you are not serious people. Mm. But also, yeah. I was and pleased not... for them that they kind of got to, like, is that as close as reconciliation as, like, we could hope for, maybe? Yeah. I sort yeah, of feel yeah. pleased for them that they had that. I love you, but you're they not had serious a family, as, as Kendall terms it, we had a family function just two days ago. <laughs> it's a family function. Putting the fun into family function there. Uh, so, that done, I'm going to start listing dramas that exist and you're going to tell me if you've watched any of them. Okay. Blue Light, yes. BBC. Straight away, Jim was in there. Mm. Set in Northern Ireland, starring Richard Dormer, who I massively heart, Sean Brooke and Andy Osho. Jen, tell me what you make of it. I really liked it. So I'll just tell people a little bit about it. It's set in Belfast. It's a show that follows a fresh intake of rookies assigned to a fictional station, which I think is supposed to be in a particularly rough part of Belfast, given the nature of some of the incidents. And one of the things that I actually thought was really good about it 
I realised as I was watching the series that I know very little about the capital of Northern Ireland. Yes, yeah, so it's a great cast, as Hannah said, including Eric Cantona, if you listened to last week's podcast. Um, <laughs> and by that I mean John Lynch. Thanks, Mickey. I'll forever <laughs> think of him as Eric Cantona now when I see him. Because um, <laughs> he looks like Eric Cantona. He does look a bit like Eric Cantona, but I think a lot more fanciable than Eric Cantona, but maybe we'll have that conversation on next week's podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's about the rookies and uh yeah i think sean brooke is really good in this as constable grace ellis he's a mum in her 40s he's ditched social work for the equally thankless task of policing thinking that this is like the place to make a difference but is obviously frustrated by her experiences of not really being able to help in the way that she wants and like the systemic clusterfuckery that is in all of those kind of public services that gets in the way of doing the shit that you actually want to do yeah so it's also about i think like the history of belfast the relationship between the police and the special services and the state of the country today and i really enjoyed it as you would imagine it's a bit bleak in places but it's refreshingly dead woman free already announced a second series and i'm happy about it i'll watch it good that's what i said about the bbc don't matter how many people have actually watched it? Okay, if it gets good reviews, they keep it on. So, yeah. Did you watch it, Hannah? I watched one episode of it because I love Richard Dormer. Um, I may go back to it. I've watched one episode of a lot. Like I say, we've got I've got a lot to crack through. Sorry, can I just ask a quick question before you move on? Is Richard mm. Dormer from Game of Thrones? Yes, I believe he is in so. Game of Thrones, yeah. Thank you. I, haven't I just wanted to make sure but... I was thinking of the same person. Thank you. He is from Northern Ireland. He's in an absolutely brilliant film called Good Vibrations, which is about punk in Oh, Northern that is in an incredible 70s. film. It's yeah. so, so good about the rise of, of punk and Fergal yeah. Sharkey and the guy with the record yeah. shop. And yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Magpie Murders, BBC, Leslie Manville and Conleth Hill, which makes me think that it is probably quite charming because I like both adapted from his own book by Anthony Horowitz and very much a sort of Agatha Christie style murder mystery. Anybody watched it? No. No, I have to say I haven't watched it. It is on my list of things to watch. Next time I'm lying on the sofa feeling poorly. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to love Manville and I mean, I know you do, Jen, and I do do think Conleth Hill is brilliant, also from Game of Thrones. Okay, 6-4, ITVX, four parts, Kevin McKidd, Vanette Robinson and Alex Ferns set in Glasgow. Cop-type drama. Anybody watch that? No, No. but what, sorry, what's the name of that? Because that sounds... 6-4. that sounds like something I would watch, so why haven't I watched it? <laughs> I'm a little bit surprised. Well, there you go. It's on ITVX. Great Expectations, BBC, written by Stephen Knight. I did watch one episode. I watched one this. episode as well. And I've just seen such terrible notices yeah. for it. Yeah. Lastly, because I saw people grumbling. And, and I love Great Expectations, also A Tale of Two Cities. They're probably the two best Dickens, to my mind. So I was curious... Uh, also because it's got a good cast uh, Olivia Coleman as Miss mm. Havisham mm. and uh, Johnny Harris as Magwitch it should have been good but it's Stephen Knight who is the you know he wrote that thing tanks 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 about the British lads army <laughs> rogue that. SAS yeah that thing. it's just I saw Tom Holland the uh, not that one the historian saying <laughs> tweeting something like 
well, what the fuck is uh, Pip going to eat now? Someone's stolen all his fucking pie or something like that as a as a, an example of what this is, you know. <laughs> the, and I thought it summed it up really well, yeah. Like Guy Ritchie does Dickens. <laughs> yeah. One of the truly remarkable things about Dickens and the way he writes, and so many people have said this to us when we've interviewed them, is that he's funny. He's actually, mm-hmm. and there's no humour in this, or the only humour in it is by someone saying a sarcastic thing or something rather than, you know, actual genuine humour. So, yeah. Okay, let's let's start with something I have actually watched. Has anybody else watched Dreamland? No. No. Okay, Sky Comedy. I watched all six or eight parts of it because I was supposed to be getting an interview with Gabby Best and it didn't happen. Based on a short by Sharon Horgan, produced by Horgan, written by, amongst other people, Sarah Kendall and Gabby Best. It's about four sisters who live in Margate with their mum and their lives are kind of thrown into disarray when one of those sisters who's previously been living in Paris comes home. Why has she come home? You learn that as time goes on. Starring Freema, Aggie Man, Lily Allen. I mean, some pretty reliable people in here. Keel Smith, Bino, Amy Fionn Edwards, Frances Barber. Also Martina Laird, who was in the last episode, the last series of Unforgiven. Gabby Best is really good. She's the sort of solid, reliable, overlooked middle child, Claire. Everybody else is pretty good. It's funny, it's well written. You know, Sarah Kendall's a great writer. As we know, Gabby Best gets her own episode and appears to be holding her own. My problem with this is I just don't think Lily Allen's up to the task, if I'm totally honest. I've not seen her acting anything before. I know she comes from acting stock, you know, and her brother is a very good actor and her dad is a hit and miss actor, but when he's really good, he's really good. And I don't know. She didn't really do it for me, and she's kind of central to everything in this. So I feel like it could have been better. Worth a watch. It is well worth a watch, I would say. You know, if you like the stuff that Horgan and Kendall, you know, do. It was really strange listening to you use a lot of positive adjectives, but in a not very excited way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this sounds good, but like Hannah didn't like it. Yeah. I mean, I think also because there's just been this massive, massive amount of stuff. So that I've seen stuff that's better than this already this month. So, you know, it doesn't really stand out. I did watch that quite a long time ago, though, it's worth saying. Also something I watched quite a long time ago and is very, very good is Rain Dogs. Have either of you seen that? No, but it's definitely on my list because I love no. Cash Carraway. Okay, yeah, so uh, join a, uh, BBC HBO production, 30-minute episodes, which clearly puts it in the comedy section in theory, but again, another comedy drama. It's quite bleak in parts. Yes, as you said, written by Cash Carraway, starring Daisy Mae Cooper as a working-class single mum whose best friend is a very rich gay guy with some quite serious mental health issues. A really effective shortcut to which is the fact that his mum is played by Anna Chancellor. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you know, when that's your mum, you're just like, yeah, there's not been a lot of love in that house, is there? Uh, (laughs) Oh, that is an excellent shortcut. Oh, this, yeah. They are an odd couple, obviously. The series starts, she's being thrown out of her house for not paying her rent, and he's just being released from prison for assaulting someone 
he's played by Jack Farthing, who I've not seen in anything at all. Also, Aid Edmondson in this is some seedy old artist that she goes around and lets paint her funny. And he is very, very good in this as well. It's bleak and it deals with some very big issues. But the thing that I have to absolutely laud it for is, I say all the time that romantic love is the least interesting type of love there is. And other love is massively under-examined. And this is a love story between two people that isn't about romantic love. It's about friendship. And also how that can go the wrong way as well. Friendships can be toxic and how you can not be good for each other and and how addictive personalities tend to stick together, Mm -hmm. make things worse for each other. And whether or not, despite the fact that these two obviously love each other very much, whether or not maybe they should knock this friendship on the head because it's not good for them. If I sound less than enthused, it's probably because I did see it a good while ago and I've not seen the last two episodes. And I I, I watched six because that was available on the previous service before I went on holiday. I think you can see them all now, so I will watch the last two episodes eventually. But f- it could go anywhere. It could literally go anywhere, which I think is it says something about, you know, how well written this is, that I, I don't feel I know how this is going to end and mm. I've seen the overwhelming majority of it. It says a lot of stuff about rich people and their effect on society and, you know, it says things about the publishing industry, about the media industry, about social media. It says something about how rich people are literally undermining a women's shelter in this. And I think that says quite a lot about Cash mm. Carraway's views on the world. So, yeah, I would say watch it. It's it's dark, but it's funny when it needs to be. And it's politically savvy when it needs to be. And it's quite moving when it needs to be, too. Is it a good counter to succession? <laughs> yeah maybe not so much should we take a break okay welcome back let's start with something on itvx gem which you may have watched i thought i'd just check it the hunt for realm moat no not yet that it started on itv this week and it is on my list of things to watch okay partly out of a sense of grim intrigue I don't think I need to explain what it is, really, because it says it all in the title there. Is Gaza in it? I was about to Apparently ask that, not. and I wondered if that would be inappropriate. Apparently not. Lee Ingleby is the is the, the big name in it. I watched about the first, I would say, 15 minutes of it, and then I just thought, I haven't got time for this or the energy for this. <laughs> not because it was bad, but because literally I've had a really, really busy week. And how many more thoughts can I fit into this outside the box? This list is enormous. I will say there's been a lot of criticism of the fact that it was made, you know, that it was 2010 and that it's too soon. It makes me laugh that a lot of the papers who are making a lot of hay out of the fact that it's too soon are exactly the same papers that made a lot of Mm. hay out of the fact that this was happening when it was happening. Mm. The idea that, you know, that people shouldn't be talking about this and we don't need to visit the individual trauma of the people that he shot and either killed or wounded it opens with an interview with people who have gone to put flowers on his shrine on the one year anniversary and i think people do need reminding that people were shot and really badly injured in this because it became a fucking i don't know i can't even explain how mad it was when this happened that people were like yeah good for you mate you shot a copper I think maybe in the long run, if it's done well, it might remind some of the people who watch it that their behaviour during this well, was absolutely appalling. So yeah. it's a very interesting, I mean, obviously horrendous thing that happened, but it's very it opened up some very interesting discussions about men's mental health and, and like guns and, and the way that 
people perceive the health service is kind of like I don't know, feminized mm. for want of a better word, um, or like less accessible to men, or blah 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 at the time. So I think it is worth chatting about or revisiting. And when I say grim intrigue, by the way, I mean not about the actual case itself. I meant what ITV have done with yeah. it. Just to be <laughs> clear on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think it will be interesting, but you know, it will depend very much on how ITV have handled. You, you're it. gonna have to take your role mode poster down, Jen, before I believe you. Okay. <laughs> oh, don't start work on that sculpture Sorry. though. I'm very excited to see it. <laughs> okay, the power. Anybody watch the power? No, and I feel bad because I was no. the one who went. We should watch this for outside the box, and I, I haven't, I haven't watched very much telly, as you can probably guess. <laughs> I didn't like the trailer, so I'm interested to know. The power. Nine parts on Amazon, based on a book by Naomi Alderman. I have watched this because Mickey told me to. I'm sorry. I'm terribly well behaved. Not true. About teenage girls who develop a new organ, essentially, and a new power that comes with it, and that's to sort of unleash electricity on the world. It's a British-Canadian co-production, and it's set quite broadly across the world. In the UK, we've got a daughter of a gangster, played by Ria Zemitrowicz. Her dad is played by Eddie Marsan. In Nigeria, we've got a video journalist played by Toheeb Jim Monhu. He ends up going to Riyadh to see what's happening there. I have to say, this TV series does not understand how journalism works, but moving on. There's also a Moldovan dictator's wife who is looks like she might be up to something. Whether it's good yet or bad yet, we don't know. I quite like that plot. She's done quite well. It's the centre of it, the main character, played by newcomer Halle Bush, who is very, very good, who looks like she's being set up as, as a sort of new messiah. And finally, the last sort of corner of it is in Seattle, where the mayor is played by Tony Collette. And this was the bit I didn't like, and then that my feelings about that started to seep into the rest of it. Because mm. there was a point, Tony Collette burst onto the scene, as it was, playing... Awkward women who were absolutely overflowing with personality, and recently, You're terrible plays... Muriel. <laughs> <laughs> and recently, all she plays is slick women who seem to have like a cookie cutter personality. Right? It feels like such a flip, and it makes me really sad. And this is a prime example of it. It's just sort of, you know, glossy feminism one hundred and one, and. One of my major major problems with this is the question is why now in this? Why, you know, girls have started to develop this thing now. It's happened organically within their bodies. And this, the sort of suggestion that we've come to is that life is terrible for young girls now, which is why it's happened. And I'm not one of these people that's going to say to you that my life was harder than their life because I actually think, you know, the gap between us and you know, Lyra is huge, the pressures that will be on her that we didn't have. Mm. But that said, I don't think Lyra's life is going to be harder than it was to be, you know, a Victorian girl or a girl around the Industrial Revolution or, you know, any of the times in previous history. And therefore, it it suffers from presentism, which is Mm -hmm. the word for thinking that now is like the everything. And yes, there are women around the world, you know, in places like Saudi that are oppressed but they've been being oppressed for ages you know the idea that middle class american girls have it harder than any generation before them and like i say to be clear i'm not talking about our generation i'm talking about their grandmothers their great grandmothers you know before 
before you had a choice of who you could marry, before you couldn't vote, before you could... It's a bit ridiculous to me. So I would say it's glossy. It's for teenage girls. It's a bit silly. Did it... It looked to me in the trailer like it was a bit like bitches be crazy. <laughs> Look at what would happen if you gave all these shrieking bitches a bit of power. They'd all go nuts and they'd like, you know... Is is it like there that? is an element of that? There is an element of it was a bit the crafty for for me. Yeah, there's <laughs> like an element the of if you had the power to take revenge, you know, what would you do? But I don't think any of that stuff is really discussed particularly. It's just sort of you know, mm. women take revenge, and then one of them stands up and says, "Hey, we should be better people," without sort of talking about the feelings that underlie, you know, a lot mm. of this. So if it's an analogy about how hard it is to be a fucking teenage girl because you've got this shit raging inside you that you didn't have before, it kind of fails because it doesn't look too closely at that stuff. It's too keen to go for the big drama of, well, you know, they can now bring down a pla- an aeroplane if they want to, rather than, you know, the smaller drama of, of just how shit it is to be a young girl. Yeah. Mm. It would anyway. be useful to be able to generate electricity right now, eh? With the uh, old energy crisis. Absolutely. Yeah, for real. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone at one point does light a spliff with one and I thought, yeah, God, I mean, that would just be amazing. The times that I've been going down the back of the sofa looking for a lighter and not being able to find it. The true meaning of this new power. <laughs> okay, let's stick with Amazon. Has anyone watched Swarm? Swarm? Did no. you say it's called Swarm? Yeah, not the Swarm side. What? Swarm. <laughs> Just swarm. I just want you to throw some African beef axe at me. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it described as all sorts of things. Psychological thriller, satire, horror. It's a bit of all of those things. It's by Janine Neighbours and Donald Glover, who produce... Donald Glover directs the first episode. The first episode is an absolute blinder. I felt his absence later on, I have to say. Starring... Dominique Fishback, who you should know from, if you've watched it, from The Deuce. And then a number of other people, including Billie Eilish for a bit, who's surprisingly good and manages to pull off being probably at least 10 years older than she should be in this. She looks in her 30s in it. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, she's, that is a lot. Yeah, she is, she is surprisingly good. Her music videos are so good, though, so I'm not actually surprised because she's so good in them seven episodes one of which is done like um a sort of a, a an american true crime um sort of television program which is done quite well it basically the long and short it's about a woman who has uh, a terrible a terrible thing happened to her she is completely obsessed with a pop singer who is essentially beyonce and therefore, Swarm comes from the Hive, which is the Beehive, you know, oh, okay. the uh, the fan base. So it's about fandom, and it's about sort of excessive fandom. I'd imagine Donald Glover probably knows a fair bit about that, which is why I think it, it, the premise is good and it starts really well. And she she essentially goes on sort of a rampage across the country on a crime spree, taking revenge on people who don't like her favourite musician. So. It is a really great premise. It just doesn't strictly work for me. That said, I can't imagine what it would be without Dominique Fishback because she's incredible in it. And the Emmys, more than the Oscars, I would say, have a problem with nominating people of colour. So they should do themselves a solid here 
and just take the win and nominate her for this because she is great in it, even though in itself I don't think The Swarm is particularly great. If you're a horror fan, you might find more in it than I did, but I'm not especially a horror fan. There was just one other thing that I wanted to mention, you know, and that's sort of about intersectionality because Bravo, something made by, you know, almost entirely people of colour, fantastic, great to see that there is diversity. On the writing team, Malia Obama, daughter of Barack Obama, and acting in it, Paris Jackson, daughter of Michael Jackson. Nepo babies. Neither of which I think particularly have the experience to have earned their place in that. I kind of feel a little bit, same rodeo, different cowboys about their abilities in this. I mean, I don't know, maybe Malia Obama was a brilliant writer, but from the episode that I saw her writing on, that was not a great episode. So I don't know. It kind of it kind of grated on me a tiny bit that, you know, some things change and some things never change. Okay, what have you guys been watching? I've ne- I think I'm nearly at the end of my list and I've yet to find anything. What's the other stuff you've been watching, Jen? Right, well, back for a third. And I think last series is Ted Lasso, Apple TV's comedy about titular fish-out-of-water American soccer coach Ted Lasso and his team of underdogs. You all know about... Sorry, you all know about this by now. It's got a cracking cast, uh, Jason Sudeikis, who we none of us can agree on how to pronounce his name, uh, Hannah Waddingham, Brett Goldstein to name but three, and an excellent team of writers of whom Sudeikis and Goldstein are but two. I've talked about it on the podcast before, how much I enjoy its gentle humour, the way it's making a range of issues like mental health accessible to a global audience of men, and a bunch of the cast actually recently joined Joe and Jill Biden at the White House to talk about mental health. So the reach of this is like, Mm-hmm. huge big round of applause all round also as a football fan but very much one who is entertained by the absurdities of the national sport i do enjoy the way that it explores those as well this season follows fictional team afc richmond following their promotion to the premier league and the departure of wonder kid nate lovable assistant coach turned jose Mourinho to rivals west ham boo hiss <laughs> This season, they're being followed by AFC Richmond enthusiast and sports journo Trent Krim, played by James Lance, who I still would, who is writing a book about the team's season. All I can say is I'll be fucking fuming if that book turns out to be a bestseller. <laughs> we are four or five episodes in and maybe it's because I can't, I'm not, I'm watching them in real time, whereas before I binged them so I could watch them like continuously but I do feel like it has lost its sparkle a little bit and it really does pain me to say that because I loved the first two series so much I don't think it's as funny as it was I think that the female characters have become a bit more like caricature like like the the big boss lady Hannah Waddingham who owns AFC Richmond has become like obsessed with having a child the sexy wag who used to go out with Roy Roy, not Roy Keane, Roy Kemp is now like started some sort of like mildly titillating relationship with another sexy lady. It's just like, yeah. really, is that like, is that what we're doing with the female characters here? Okie doke. And I'm not sure how much I care about the team anymore. I don't know. I mean, it it might just be because I can't binge watch it. I think sometimes things are better when you can just kind of like roll with it as it goes on so it might be that but I don't know maybe they've just kind of like 
come as far as they can. I'm not sure, but I will watch it to the end because I did love the first two series so much. And, you know, maybe they can make me believe again. Who knows? It is sad when that happens. But yeah, quite a few shows are the victims of their own success when they're about underdogs, I think. Because I can't keep that going. Yeah. Now, Mickey, in your interview with Ema Kenny the other day, she suggested that uh, Severance was great. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one I definitely want to watch. She she threw out some big titles of what she wants to aim for. And I was like, yeah, yeah she could fucking do it. And on that note, you'll have noticed I've not really watched very much that Hannah's mentioned in her massive list. And that's because I did watch The Curse. And I, as Jen said, like I binged it. And I, I would recommend if you've not already seen The Curse on Channel 4, binging it is the best way to do it because tom davis plays big mick and it is a joyous just joyful brilliant character but his voice took me a full episode to tune into i was like i don't know what that big fella's saying and then that is part of the joke and you get used to it but i feel if i'd had to do that week by week i probably wouldn't have loved it as much so do that before season two starts on april the 27th on channel four at 10 o'clock because it is it's just wonderful it's really really good I have watched something else, if you if you Let's want to hear, hear about, about it. That. Okay, I've started to watch, I'm halfway through, Wellmania, which is a new eight-parter on Netflix. Now, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit bored of what has been termed the messy millennial woman. You know, your fleabag in, fleabag. Mm-hmm. Anya in This Way Up, Arabella in I May Destroy You. And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed all of those programs a lot and would watch more of them. Uh, if, if indeed there are more series, I know for sure there's no more Fleabag. But that trope of a woman partying her best mm. life while at the same time falling apart is getting a bit tired. I heard Dolly Alderton had a series and I was like, I don't need to watch this. So yeah, you might be like, uh, why are you watching this when the trailer for Wellmania absolutely showed me another MMW? And that is because that MMW is Celeste Barber. Instagram queen of the celebrity spoof who gives me full on heart eyes and belly ache from laughter. Now, Hannah, I know you don't do Instagram. You kind of do Finstagram. You you follow, but you're not involved. Celeste Barber is an Aussie comedian. She's amazing. She's probably like Jen's sort of age. And all of these influencers coming out of cars and being elegant and posing. She does exactly what they do but takes the piss and it has scored her 9.5 million followers on Instagram. She is joyously funny. She is just there with it all hanging out and she just, the comic time is incredible. And she's been in quite a lot of Australian TV shows. Anyway, I love her. So I was like, right, okay, going to watch this. And Celeste Barber is Liv, a New York-based food writer whose life is a tornado of eating, drinking, snorting and fucking she has been tentatively offered a judging spot on something called Banquet Royale, a hot new TV cookery show, but only if she can write a piece that goes viral and propels her as a journalist to more renown. Seriously, and I was laughing at you earlier, Hannah, this show's depiction of journalism is, like mm. most shows' depictions of journalism, inaccurate. Right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's so annoying. Anyway, Liv is chuffed. All she needs to do is jet back to Australia for the weekend for her best pal Amy's 40th, then Celebrity Beckons, right? Right. Of course not right. Of course it all goes wrong. We open with Liv in an ambulance with a minor head injury, shouting she needs to get home to New York. But she's had her green card stolen and then fails the medical she needs to pass for a new one. Well, Mania 
ensues with Liv putting her faith in the rackety wellness industry as she tries desperately to get her green card in the four weeks before Banquet Royale starts. I barely need to tell you that there's also some carefully buried past trauma to deal with, which, given the constant references to her dad who died at the age Liv is now, I think is grief and dealing with grief, which will be interesting. I watched four episodes last night and it's... It's good. I mean, it's, it's like fine. I, I laughed occasionally. Celeste Barber is what made me give it a go because she's made me cackle laugh on so many occasions. And she, she's great in it. She's a really good actress. This just isn't as funny, although it is still entertaining and I will definitely finish the series. But for me, and Hannah, you touched on this a little bit with Dreamland as well. It, it kind of pales a bit in comparison to two other Aussie sadcoms slash dramedies, however we're mm. terming these, like kind of dark comedies, which we've been blessed with recently. And the first is Tim Minchin's Upright. The first series is Impeccable. And mm. both series of Sarah Kendall's Frayed, which is wonderful and I loved. And each of those is both funnier and darker than Wellmania yeah. so far, while tackling those similar subjects of belonging, grief, self. So yeah, I, I will finish it, but it's not as good as I wanted it to be. But that's not to say it's not good. Well, you watched four episodes in a night, so... They're like 25 minutes and I wanted to write right. about it. So I thought, I'll give it a fair chance. Yeah, and the first episode, it, I feel like this is a thing now. You have to get through a first episode. I was like, yeah, this isn't what I'm expecting. It didn't make me laugh loads. I don't like her, but it's the setup. And so I think I just accept now that the first episode isn't going to really wow me with very many things. Yes, I agree with you, which is why I'm going to just go back to what I said about The Swarm and say the first episode of that is brilliant. Mm. And that is really quite Unusual, yeah. You're like wowzers, but it just can't sustain it. I just think it's a bit like they don't really make programmes like that about men do they like where they're basically like where the there's a character who's like a hot mess because we don't view men in that way like men aren't a hot mess they're just living their lives they're just doing fun things they're just fucking and snorting and drinking and whatever and that's like lols good for them it's like it just doesn't translate in the same way does it and i agree it is a bit like yeah and that wellness thing i feel like it's maybe a bit late obviously it's still out there but i think we we all know now that there's a lot of whack Mm. out there in wellness Mm. what i will say slightly in defense of the excellent point you've just made jen within wellmania is there is also a hot mess male character but he's kind of out of the other side of it and she's met him while he's in recovery in inverted commas and so he's not aspirational then (laughs) it's not it's not seen as aspirational and there is another kind of hot mess character who is a man yeah and she's like between the two not in a romantic way, but between the two. But even so, I would say they are bit players. And it is, as you say, very much this focus on women trying to have it all. You're going to get fucked over. And, you know, there, there is a truth in that. But also, I am bored of seeing it. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else for anything else? Well, there's been all no. this new telly and it's been very exciting. And I was totally excited by the list Hannah sent us. But instead... The, the other few episodes, and very few episodes really recently, that I've watched is a, a series that ended two years ago, Better Call Saul, having a lovely time. But yeah, probably need to pause it and watch some new stuff because there's loads out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say it again. Watch The Dry. The Dry is brilliant. Totally brilliant. I think that's perhaps why, you know, Dreamland didn't compare. Anyway, 
next time we're going to be talking about inside number nine definitely for sure inside number nine perry mason just talked to myself again for about 10 minutes and (laughs) hopefully some of that other stuff that was oh white house plumbers oh my god there's one coming up on um sorry i was just gonna say on a on a white house plumbers note because you talked about woody harson did you see in the news hannah Jen, you might be interested, but not as interested now Hannah will be, that he and Matthew McConaughey are actually having the DNA tested because they might be brothers. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, actually, talking of the pair of them, there's apparently a new True Detective coming as well. Oh. Oh. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not not (laughs) excited about it. You know, the first one, excellent. Second one, didn't even bother watching. Third one was okay. I only really watched it because Mahershala Ali was in it. Hmm. And now a fourth, so who knows? I think the joy of every time they release a new True Detective is that I watch the first series of True Detective again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's something coming on. Sorry, guys, it's on ITV, but, you know, mixed results of late, um, which has got someone who you interviewed for the podcast, who I think is quite good, Neve Algar. Yeah, she's great. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. excellent, yeah. Called Malpractice, which... You know, I'll watch because she's good and it's on ITV, so why wouldn't I? Outside the box. 